Hello, and welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Thank you for joining us to worship and learn more about God as we all pursue Him together as a community. For more podcasts and services about past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendecatur.org. Or come connect with us in person on Sunday mornings in downtown Decatur. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning. How are you? Well, uh, that was honestly Ryan excited. That's what that was. So he's so fun. Um, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the leaders here at the church. And uh, Ryan's correct. We have so many uh, new first time guests coming all the time. And I love to see your faces. I'm so glad you're here. So again, let me just welcome you one last time, final time. Thank you for coming. Uh, may God bless you for coming. And whoever invited you, may God bless them for inviting you. So it's so great. Today's going to be a little unique um, service for us. We're going to do uh, the preach. I'm going to preach a little bit from the Bible, say amen, yay, right? And then at the end of that, we're going to spend a few moments together as a church family to do our, our annual business meeting. And most of you can start snoring at that point. You're like, oh, whatever, financials and all this stuff. But it is something we, we want to do for the church every year to just walk through some of that. So at the end of our time together, um, and I'll try to preach short so we won't go long, um, um, Aaron uh, Largent, who is our church council treasurer, he's going to come out um, and we'll go through some of the finances. So you guys good? Who's excited? <laughs> not me, not me. <laughs> I just like the Bible. The numbers, I leave it to the numbers, people. All right, let's get started. Um, kintsugi, kintsugi is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery or ceramic ware. Had I worked harder on this, I'd throw a picture up right now of what kintsugi art looks like. But it's basically when the artist takes a piece of a broken ceramic vessel or something, and they use a combination of lacquer and, and dust from gold or platinum or silver, and they, they restore the broken pieces back together. And, and once this broken pottery, bowl, vase, or whatever has been restored, the, the gold veining that is inside this, this piece now is just spectacularly visible. And it's oftentimes even more beautiful than the original piece. The utility of the vessel, whether it be a bowl or a vase or whatever, has been recovered, and the owner can then use it again. Hold on to that. So today, kintsugi is more than just an art form. It's, it's more like repair. It's more like an art form rather than repair, sorry. And as a philosophy, it just treats breakage and repair as part of the history of an object. Rather than being something that we need to disguise or hide away, kintsugi takes the brokenness of a piece and makes it part of the art. And the story of the Bible really promotes a similar type of philosophy. In the beginning, you guys know the story, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. And he then placed humanity, us, inside of this artistic masterpiece. And then he said these words, it is very good. And it was, it was good until Adam and Eve chose selfish ambition over God's provision and they rebelled against their creator. Bible scholars and students alike call this event the fall, and like any great art piece that falls, God's masterpiece was broken. 
and sin had slithered into his creation through Adam and Eve's disobedience, and now death's shadow emerged to terrorize them and us. Broken and naked and fearful, they now faced finitude. An expiration date was printed on their hearts. One day in their near future, they would lose everything that God had created for them, and also they would lose their ability to fix this conundrum. But the artist, God, would not give up on his creation. And so he chose to send his son Jesus, yea, Jesus, into the world to mend the broken pieces. And using the blood and the flesh from his body, he would bring everything he had created back together and make it even more beautiful than before. And as Christians, this is the story we believe. Yes? This is the story we gather around to warm our cold souls. This is the, the cornerstone that Samantha so, so um, poignantly and positively, truthfully said earlier that he is the foundation. Christ Jesus is the foundation of everything that we do. We sing, he is the Lord of all. I question, is he the Lord of all in your life? But as Christians, this is the story we believe, that Christ Jesus has come to restore everything. And though the world was lost to sin and death, Jesus has come to restore it, to recover it, and to make it all new again. In fact, if you know your Bible, at the end of the Bible, there's a book called the Book of Revelation, or as some people like to say, Book of Revelations. And they put an S on it, much like Kmart's, <laughs> or Walmart's, or wait for it, Kroger's. There is no S on Kroger's. Or crossing, just so you know, it's not crossings, healthcare. All right. S soapbox over. Listen, we're smarter than that. We can, we can, we can say it right. <laughs> but in, at the, in the book of Revelation, which is the end of the grand narrative of God and the story of uh, creation, the fall, and, and res restoration, Jesus, in, in Revelation 21, verse 5, says this. Behold, I am making things new. This is the work that Jesus has come to do. Like a Kintsugi artist, he's putting all the broken pieces back together through the work of his blood and his flesh on the cross. And he also says, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he's making sure John the Revelator understands that this moment that Jesus speaks in the annals of history reverberates through our ears 2,000, 3,000, 4, 8, as long as the Lord should tarry, that these words would continue to ring true and trustworthy. Say yes, yes, yes. Behold, Christ Jesus has come to make things new. And they are trustworthy and true. Yes, Jesus' work is true. And it's also trustworthy, meaning we don't have to worry if it will fail or not. In the annals of history, the restorative work on the cross is complete, period, final, period, finished, period. And we hope to celebrate that truth every week when we gather it at Renaissance. So if you're visiting Renaissance, just know this, we're a Jesus church. It is Jesus 100%. Always Jesus. Before we go, it's Jesus. After we leave, it's Jesus. We sing to Jesus. We pray to Jesus. It is for Jesus, yes? And this truth is what philosophers call a transcendental. I want to nerd out just for a minute. I won't bore you. But in fact, truth is one of three transcendentals that followers of God come, say rather, come from him. They are truth, beauty, and goodness. 
And it just means that these three qualities of our world exist outside, transcendental, outside of our comprehension. They're ubiquitous, just means they're everywhere, all the time. And we believe they ultimately come from God, who when he created everything, placed into his creation the attributes of himself, which is truth and beauty and goodness. And he waits for us, the world, to seek them, to find them and behold them the truth and the beauty and the goodness that God has placed for us to find, to grab onto, and to warm ourselves on cold days. Truth is the easy one, ish, ish, ish. We look to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, and we behold him as truth. But in our world today, oftentimes beauty and goodness are often lost on us. My question, maybe your question, should be, why? I would argue that I think we've lost the ability to see, quote-unquote, see the beauty that is before us. And we've also been corrupted to believe that there's no longer any goodness to enjoy. Just watch the blue news or the red news or anything on the news. There is no goodness in the world around us. But unlike wine aficionados who enthusiastically detect the slightest hint of, of uh, spice or fruitiness in their glasses, we miss the smallest subtleties of beauty and goodness around us. Our taste buds are unrefined to detect it. But we can relearn how to do it. We can relearn ways to experience beauty and goodness and find truth. And we can relearn to see these things in the world around us and, and we can find hope in that. But I'm telling you right now, it will take effort from you. It does not happen by osmosis. We cannot just will it into ourselves. It is, is something that we have to flex as a muscle and strengthen it, call it out when we see it and behold it when we see it. Between the years of 2008 and 2012, 345 art teachers were let go in LA's public school district. Art education had become the unintended victim of budget cuts. Many school districts have often made the difficult choice to cut art programs like drama and music and visual arts due to budget cuts. And this budget crisis comes along the backdrop of both federal and state Mandates that place an emphasis on math and science and reading. And so school boards and administra administrators alike can certainly see that art classes seem to be a waste of taxpayer resources. They cost, the cost of a classroom supplies alone can make that subject of art more expensive than others. For example, math class, you buy the book, you go to class, you take the test, you pass, finished. Yes, but in art class, you have paints and brushes and clay and charcoal. And then we have these, these little like denim aprons that we wear to protect our learning clothes from becoming soiled from the unlearning that we're doing in art class. And then there's the subjective nature of grading the art created. Does it have to be good to get a passing grade or can a pupil just show up and at least try? Anybody remember high school art? It was gross for me, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm an artist, but I'm not an artist when it comes to paints or clay. I write and I play music. Anyways, there is an unforeseen danger in removing art from our educational requirements. And we can become citizens of culture who can solve algebraic equations. We can dissect formaldehyde-filled frogs. 
Whew, that was fun. We can pass the mandated constitutional exams for political science requirements, but we haven't learned to appreciate the work that is required to make art. We no longer seek art, seek art, and worse yet, we no longer appreciate the one who created it. So now would be a good time to remind all of us that God is, among many things, an artist, yes? And we often don't use language like that to describe him, but the Bible does. In the Old Testament, one of the Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah, I think, I don't remember, he calls God a potter who fashions clay. What a wonderful metaphor to describe how God willfully makes choices in building the world around us. Like things exist the way they are because he chose them. Like some of the things they're fashioned that way because he made the choice. I want it to look this way, not that way. And there are other verses to describe God as an artist. Look at this in Psalm chapter 19, verse one. It says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Just lay on your back on a summer night out in the country if you can get away from light pollution and be amazed at the handiwork of God. Just drive into the country and see a sunset and be, and be enthralled by that color purple that you've never seen in a crayon box before. Like who, what, where'd that color come from? As a dad of two girls, I would oftentimes drive my children out into the country to look at sunsets and they roll their eyes and go, again. <laughs> I'm like, you have to see this. You see, God did that and wait for it. He didn't have to. He didn't, he didn't have to do that, but he did. Every beautiful sunrise or sun, sunset rather is the handiwork of God. And you look at the nature around us and all of its intricacies and its variety, it speaks to one with infinite imagination and artistic ability. Job chapter 12 says this, verse seven, but ask the beasts and they will teach you, the birds, the heavens, and they will tell you, or the bushes of the earth and they will teach you, and the fish of the sea and all of them will declare to you. For who among all of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this. In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. And I love how Job points to creation, to the fish and the animals and the skies, all these things that God has created. And if you, if you really want to see the handiwork of God, take a zoology class and just be amazed. Some argue that an artistic experience is an exchange. It's an exchange between the artist and the audience. And to have an artistic experience, the first thing we have to do is to be open and available to the artist's way of communi communicating. And I say it again, if we want to experience the beauty and the goodness in our world around us, it will take some effort from us. Sometimes we walk into the gallery or the theater already open to whatever the artist has to offer. And this is oftentimes summed up in the adage uh, to stop and smell the roses. How many have heard this before? How many times have you reminded yourself to stop and smell the roses? Well, just understand that first we have to stop and at least see the rose. In our busy day, we sometimes just drive right by them. Interesting, um, 
I won't say New Year's resolution, but it's a, something I'm trying to change in my life. Um, just, we'll take an unofficial poll, right? And, and you can lie to me, I don't care, but God sees your heart. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> like, I do not care. But how many people, when you're driving down Main Street or Water Street, you change lanes because the idiot person in front of you is going too slow? Okay? Because you got places to be. Oh my gosh, if, if you raise your hand, will you pull out your mirror and look at yourself and say, I am important? Go ahead. Just own it, bro. I am important. <laughs> Visitors are like, who is this guy? Is he the regular guy that preaches every week? It's me. I'm the guy. It's, I'm the one. So the, the resolution of sorts in, in my life is I'm, I'm no longer changing lanes. Like the lane that I, I am in, I'm gonna stay in until I have to turn on Eldo or turn on the next street or whatever. For the record, this does not apply to the interstates of... <laughs> I, I will not follow this rule on the interstate. Just, if you see me on the interstate, I'm going 85. I'm just telling you. But in town, and, and you know why? Oh my God, I'm embarrassed to tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm at Mound Road in 51, right there by the Olive Garden, and I'm coming south, coming to work, actually, and a, 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 um, a four-door Buick is in front of me, and you know what that means. You, come on. You, you know what that means. And I got behind, I'm like, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I'm behind a four-door Buick. Sure enough, they just mosey out of the red light. And I'm, I'm kind of in a hurry, honestly. And so I get so frustrated, and I, I wait till I can get in the left lane and I pass and I give the look to let them know. <laughs> and, and driving the car was a woman that I, I grew up with. She was my best friend's mother. She was a second mom to me of which I preached the funeral of her husband but three months ago. I don't know who laughed, but you're on the spectrum. There's like a, there's a whole cult, like relevance thing you just missed. <laughs> like uh, timing, I'm just saying. Right? Hurry, hurry, rush, rush. And the Lord and those transcendentals impregnated into the world around us of truth, beauty, and goodness are just victims to the speedy life that we live. Like unless it's a, a, a car wreck, we don't even slow down to look. So first we have to see the rose that is before us, whether it be a sunset in a country or the, the colorful, colorful plume of a, pe of a peacock the sweetness of a spring breeze, the smell of fresh cut grass from the summer's first mow, which I don't know about you, but it is a battering ram to the recesses of my memory. And I flash back to seven-year-old Jeff with my dad grilling on the patio on a Sunday afternoon after just mowing the grass and everything is just as it's supposed to be again. Whew. We need to recognize beauty and stop and see it 
First, we see the rose and we stop to smell it. It just means that we appreciate what it is and most importantly, where it came from. It came from God, who is our creator. And he gave us these outposts of beauty to, to refill our saddlebags and canteens to sustain us on our journey of knowing him. May we be a people that enjoy them. So Jesus is our truth. Yes and amen. Preach, Jeff, we believe it. Beauty is forever revealing God around us. Yes and amen. And goodness must not be lost to despair in our world as well. And it's quite easy to feel the unease in the world when we are only informed by the world. Should I say that again? It is certainly our right to feel unease when all of the information of the world comes from the world. There's no goodness out there. The newsroom phrase, some of you are old enough to know this, but if it bleeds, it leads. That term was just coined to reflect the intuition among journalists that stories about crime and bloodshed and tragedy sell more newspapers than stories about good news. However, a large portion of news readership now occurs online. And so the motivation to sell newspapers is no longer a real thing. They just want your clicks, clicks, clicks to different news stories. And they're just trying to keep our attention. In the United States, 89% of adults get at least some of their news online. And unfortunately, only some, most of us only spend about five or six minutes online getting said news. So the idea is that the, the online media companies are desperate to keep our attention. And do you know how they get our attention? You can call it clickbait. You can call it whatever you want. They get our attention because it appeals to the darkness inside of us that wants to see destruction, that wants to see calamity, that wants to see terrible things. The horrific and negative news stories they, they place before us are gobbled up by us. They don't have to be. Like, this is not an or Orwellian experiment where we have to, or a, a Clockwork Orange experiment. Uh, that's a way back movie, but, and I'm not recommending said movie, just thrown out there. There's a moment when the character's eyelids are held open and he's forced to watch some things, to be indoctrinated into whatever that was that they're trying to teach him. You can close your eyes. You have to buy what they're selling. Most of them are not selling goodness. When I was a kid growing up and the 10 o'clock news came on, like there was one story at the end of the newscast about some guy in your town who raised a four-legged cat that could walk on two legs and play the banjo. I have no idea. It's like, it was like this good, right? And just made you feel good after we just filled you full of caustic destruction around the world, right? Which doesn't most of the time impact us where we're living right now. Yes and amen, right? But to, to, to sort of, remove that bad taste in our mouth, like eating a bad hot dog, they, they, they give you a little piece of dessert at the end to help you go to bed at night and everything's better. Is this any, all right, I'm moving on. Did I tell you you can close your eyes? I went into a friend of mine's house one time and he had um, one, one of the news stations on. You know, like it was like three in the afternoon on a Saturday, he's got the news channel on and my wife was with me. I said, we gotta go. 
I'm not staying in here with that on the television. Like, and I'm not judging them. Like, I don't, pfft. all right, I'm moving on. All right, so this is a real thing. I don't, I don't watch the news. I have a news aggregate uh, on my phone and I, I go through that every day and I just try to see what's happening. Um, what, okay. My name's Jeff. I'm one of the leaders. Here we go. And, um, <laughs> but we don't have to be people who only get our information about the world from the world. The Bible has been called the blank book, the good book. Why? Because it contains the good news about Jesus. It's the good news of the restoration of God's creation through his son, Jesus. And if you can't see the goodness in the world around you, may I lovingly suggest that you need to change where you get your only information about the world. God speaks about it to us in the truth of scripture, scriptures and in Jesus, and he reveals it to us in the beauty around us, and he shows us his goodness too. But you have to find it, to seek it, to find it, and to behold it. Makoto Fujimura is an American artist and Christian, and while studying art back in his ancestral Japan, he found himself in a place searching for deeper meaning and purpose, and he just couldn't find it. This is before he became a Christian, and it wasn't until he encountered the beauty in William Blake's poetry did he find the meaning in Christianity and he began his journey in his newfound faith. Did you see that? Did you hear that? Here's a man seeking for God, doesn't understand what, what he's seeking. He just wants purpose and meaning in life. And in William Blake's poetry, and I don't even know who William Blake is if he's a Christian, to me it doesn't matter, but in the beauty that he saw in the world around him and opened his eyes to the reality that God exists and, and, and Makoto Fujimura turned his life over to Jesus and become a world-renowned artist. And he's a Christian and he speaks to Christian artists all around the world, declaring these messages that we need to be people who find and, and behold beauty and goodness. He wrote a book called Culture Care. I'm working through it right now. And he says this in the very first chapter, he tells this compelling story of the work of beauty and goodness in his personal life. And I'm going to read it um, for you. And I'm almost finished. So please hang on. He writes this, as a newlywed couple, my wife and I began our journey with very, very little. After Judy and I got married in the summer of 1983, after college, we moved to Connecticut for Judy to pursue her master's degree in marriage counseling. And I taught art at a special, special education school and I painted at home, because he's an artist. He said we had a tight budget and often had to ration our food, lots of tuna cans, exclamation point, just to get through the week. One evening, he was at home, sitting alone, waiting for Judy to come home to their small apartment. And he was worried. He was worried about how they were going to afford their rent and pay for the necessities over the weekend. Their refrigerator was empty, and he had no cash, no money. Then Judy walks in, and she had bought, rather, she had brought home a bouquet of flowers. And he got really upset. He screams at her, how could you think of buying flowers if we can't even eat? He's frustrated, and Judy's reply, he says, has been etched into his heart for over 30 years now, and she says, we need to feed our souls too, she says. And his, he continues, the irony is that he is an artist. I'm the one supposedly feeding other people's souls, but in worrying for tomorrow, and in the stoic responsibility, I felt to make ends meet, to survive, 
I failed to see the beauty. I failed to be the artist that God had created him to be. He closes, he says, I don't remember what we ended up eating that day. I don't remember what we ate that month. It don't matter. Probably tuna fish, he says. But I do remember those flowers because I painted them the next day. We need to feed our souls too. And these words still resonate with him today. <laughs> uh, are you wearing your seatbelts? This is going to be an, a, a jerk. I, I have no way to pivot to what happens next. Um, we're going to go to our business meeting. No. <laughs> almost. Almost. I mean, I have a thing to say. I don't... Reading it now, it's not as good as I thought it was last night when I... I'll just say this, as we, as a church, as we look forward into 2024 and we have a, a plan, quote, unquote, a, a vision, quote, unquote, or a goal for next year, uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I want you to know from, from me, leadership in the church and for how I try to lead the staff, my staff, and, and, and how I'm going to try to lead you into 2024, I want to be integrous to the call that God has placed before us. And I think that God wants for us to seek goodness to seek beauty and to seek truth and behold them for next year. So we're going to point it out. We're going to declare it. And we're going to say every week that God is still doing good things. Amen. <laughs> we got a lot of work in front of us. Uh, Ryan talked about it earlier. He says, we're going to focus on unity this year. That is something the Lord has laid on my heart heavily um, uh, just yesterday in my news aggregate phone feed thing, I ran across an article from one of the newspapers, I don't remember which, it just said this, that tribalism in the American poli political scene is obviously rampant. Yes, yes, okay. 2024 is an election year, right? Aren't you, you're excited too, right? <laughs> it is, it's a thing. And, and here's what social scientists had discovered. This is what was revealed in this article I read uh, yesterday, um, that uh, politics in its in its um, in its truest form is already adversarial, right? There's a them and an us, and an us and a them. There's like two parties. It already is adversarial. What they're finding is that, that uh, a lot of Americans are finding themselves separated by tribes, not based on political ideology, which is what it used to be. It's now based on their dislike for someone. Like, it's, it's an us and a them now, not because they think that social care should look like this and health care should look like this and we disagree on the policies to make that happen. It's like, no, I don't like that person and they divide over that. And I went, gross, what if that happened in the church? So we have to focus around unity. We agree that the scriptures, with the scriptures that state we are bound to one another in love. In love. Through Christ, our allegiance is first to Christ, say amen, then to one another. Then, if we desire, we can find common ground in our levels of education, social standing, political affiliation, or any other, wait for it, tertiary identity, third identity. Our identity is in Christ first. Yes, yes. I just lost some of you in the room. I pray for you.
We also want to focus 2024 on the work of restoration that God is doing in us individually, as well as corporately as a church. Like the Kintsugi pottery that has been put back together with precious metal and dust and lacquer, we commit to the work before us. We remember that we too are dust and not some stardust, like Carl Sagan says, but dust from the created order of God's creation, formed together by God himself, breathed the, 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 the life into us, and God will use us through the work of his son Jesus to hold this thing together. And we hope that our broken pieces put back together will be more beautiful than they were before. The world may say it's coming apart. Division is readily visible all around us, but we know God is making the world new. Amen. Yes, and he has begun it with the work of his son and continues with the work of his church. And so we carry that mantle of reconciliation and recovery of our broken world. Amen. Please don't be mad at me. It is not me who takes issue <laughs> with some of the things that happen in this church. Years ago, I was volunteer staff at a church and I remember one of the elders of the church came up to me and says, Jeff, just with a, a grin on his face and smacks me on the back and says, Jeff, you just have this wonderful way of, of riling up the religious spirits in people. Ha, ha, ha. And, and I began to weep. I don't want to rile up religious anything in anyone. I don't want to rile up anything in anyone. I have, I have a terrible sin. It's called people pleasing. I want everyone to like me. Now imagine God places you in a position where you actually have to say things to people that they don't like and somehow they think it comes from me. So we've already said that we're going to behold truth as a transcendental and we're going to believe it comes from God. And if truth is coming, then it's to be beheld. All right. Um, I left a whole bunch of blank space in my page here to tell you a really cool thing that we want to do for this next year. So behind the scenes, uh, me and a couple other leaders in the church and some other lay leaders as well, we've been working, um, I won't say tirelessly, but we've been working hard at launching what we're going to launch this next year is a Celebrate Recovery program Many of you know what Celebrate Recovery is. Yes, hallelujah. And some of you are saying, but there's like four other churches that have Celebrate Recoveries. You're wrong. There's like thousands of churches that have Celebrate Recovery programs. And, and, and if you don't know much about it, it is not, hear me, it is not an addiction recovery program. It is a recovery program. So people who have hangups, hurts, and they need a little help. I know churches who only hire staff once they've gone through the Celebrate Recovery program. It is so helpful to them. All that to say, we believe God is calling us to be like the artist. God is taking broken people and mending them back together with Christ Jesus. And so that's going to be coming in the ensuing weeks and or months. Renaissance as a church will have a heavy load placed on her that she has not felt in a long time. So, so many of us, um, it is easy to just come into church and leave the church, come into church and leave the church. And that's totally fine. I'm down with that. But for this program to work, it is going to require the church get involved. 
So in the ensuing weeks and months, you're going to see people or us asking for volunteers, asking for training, asking for you guys to get more involved. Okay, that's the push. I want to pray for us. We believe God is making things new again. Would you bow your heads with me? And as I do this, Aaron uh, is going to come out. We're going to be brief, guys, I promise. Aaron's going to come out, and we're going to do just a real quick business stuff. Okay, so hang tight. Dear Heavenly Father, as we close this time together, we thank you for the truth revealed in your word, the beauty displayed in your creation, and the goodness that flows from your love. And just as the broken pieces of pottery are restored with gold, may our lives be infused with the beauty and the goodness that you offer. God, we know that our world needs this even more than we understand. So help us to embrace all of the goodness and the beauty that comes from you. God, as we go into 2024, help us as a church appreciate all of these things and help us to be a people united together in love. May our lives be a testament to all of your redemptive work. You're doing it. And may we be the bearers of hope and the joy and joy rather to the world around us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to support you and have you be a part of our community. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. There you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, and even contribute to the growth of the church through online giving. Or you can come see us in person on Sunday mornings in downtown Decatur. We can't wait to see you.